the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Those of you who follow the show, you know the show is in two parts, not necessarily equal parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we do interviews, and tonight we have on Bill Daniels. Now, some of you may say, who's William Daniels? And I think a lot of us know him from different parts of his history. I remember him from 1776 as John Adams, and also as John Quincy Adams from the PBS series The Adams Chronicles. A lot of other people know him as Mr. Feeney or in St. Elsewhere. So he's had a long career, and we're going to be talking about that in in a few minutes. Meanwhile, why don't we take a estate planning question and pitch hitting for my wife, Beth tonight is Bridget Greco, one of our paralegals. How are you doing today? I'm good, Mr. Connors. How are you? Okay, so what email question do we have on board? Okay, the question is, my father died two years ago, and my mother and her friend handled his will by themselves. I've never seen it, and I've been told many times that it's none of my business. My cousin has told me that a month or so before he died, my father told him that I have a trust fund. My mother denies this and says I haven't been left anything. I'm not sure how to go about this. Is my mom being dishonest, carrying out the will by herself instead of using an attorney? My parents weren't my biological parents as I was adopted. Is there any way I can find out for certain if I have been left a trust fund? Thanks, Macy. Okay, well, yes, you can go to court. You can go to the surrogate's court in the county in which your father resided before he passed away, and you can get what's called a court order for discovery or whatever to find out what's in your father's estate, what may be there. But, uh, you know, I'm going to warn you that the second part of this, though, it would not be unusual for a husband and wife, let's say your father and your mother, where they had everything joint and nothing went through court and everything went to the surviving spouse. That would not be an unusual plan. And I would say 90, 95 percent of the people would plan things that way. Husband and wife, everything's joint. Something happens to both of them, then maybe you have a trust. But there's a very good shot that everything that your father had was joint with his wife. That would make sense. So, yes, you can go to court, but whether you trust your mother or not, that's a question you have to ask yourself, not me. Because if everything was joint, nothing had to be done with the will, and your mother really didn't have to do anything with the will. So handling it by herself, I don't know what that means. If a will was filed in surrogate's court, that's public record, and you can go down and check on it. So I, I hope it answers your questions. Good luck. But I wouldn't start jumping around and going and getting court orders on your mother when there's a very good shot everything could be joint between husband and wife. Now, every week... Kevin McCullough asked a question at his 5 o'clock hour show each Thursday night. So we're going to repeat Kevin's question. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every week we promise you that Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan Law Firm will answer a question related to estate care and elder law. And Mike's back with us. Mike, this week's question comes from Maria. She says, my grandmother is ill. She's in rehab. We spoke with a social worker, and they told us she has too much income to get Medicaid when she comes home. She has Social Security for about $1,200 per month. What do we do? Well, the question, the answer is is relatively easy. You set up a pooled income trust. And what a pooled income trust is, it's it's a program where you can put your excess income. Technically, Medicaid is right. Grandmother has too much income. 
if we put $400 a month in a pooled income trust, then the grandmother is eligible for Medicaid. Now, it's a lot easier than it sounds. I mean, you got to get the paperwork right and get it started and so forth. But if your income is too high technically for home care community Medicaid, you can put your excess income in a pooled income trust. The pooled income trust pays for your rent, your food bills, gas, electric, whatever. You don't lose the money. It's a little bit of paperwork. It's a little bit of red tape, but it's a way for people to be on Medicaid who technically have too much in income. All right. Well, if you've got a similar question to this, uh, call Mike Connor's office and get the experts working for you. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. You can also drop Mike a question personally at MikeConnors at gmail.com. That's MikeConnors at gmail.com or 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks again to Kevin McCullough for asking our email question of the week. Those of you know I'm heavily involved with the Civil War Roundtable of of the City of New York. And there are two events in May involving the Civil War Roundtable. The first, May 14th, I have the Vice President of Programming for the Civil War Roundtable, Christopher Kaznicki. Chris, what's on for May 14th? Well, May 14th is our Fletcher Pratt Award, and that is an award that we give out to the uh, best book on the Civil War in that year. And this year's winner is Ron Chernow's book on Grant... Ulysses S. Grant. Um, He will be speaking at the Civil War Roundtable of New York uh, on May 14th. He's going to be doing a question and answer kind of uh, session regarding his book, regarding Grant's life, regarding Grant's legacy. So we invite everybody who can make it to join us. Okay, very good. So that's at the 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street. Doors open at 530. Cost to non-members is $60. May 14th, 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street. And if you're going to show up, you better call for reservations because uh, seating is limited. We do need to know how many people are going to be there. So give us a call at 718-341-9811. 718-341-9811. We've got another event in May, and we have another one of our attorneys joining us right now, Adriana Lima. Adriana, what's our other event in Civil War Roundtable in May? Yes, our other event is a historic trolley tour of Greenwood Cemetery, and that's happening Saturday, May 19th. It will start approximately at 1.30 and last for about two hours. We're going to be meeting at the Greenwood Cemetery gates at 1. And like, like I said, it's a trolley tour, and it also includes a box lunch. Tickets are $35 per person. So please call to reserve your space, 718-238-6500. You can ask for Monica. Okay, so remember, it's going to be a good time. Trolley tour of Greenwood Cemetery, and we're going to see a lot of Civil War generals, the great, well, at least their grave sites and where their remains are interred, including General Tom Sweeney, General Slocum, General Halleck, and the monument to General Marr. As most of you know who history, they never found General Marr's body, but his monument there is Greenwood Cemetery next to his wife's grave site. If you want to email any questions, Chris Cordani, how do, how do they email us a question? Just send us an email at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Okay, and if you want to like us on Facebook, what do they do? Go to the Facebook page. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Easy to find on Facebook. There's a little button that says like. If you haven't liked it already, click on that and you've liked the page. Why would you want to do that? You can follow up with what Mike is doing, what the uh, firm Connors & Sullivan has going on, seminars, things like that. But also you can hear some of our recent shows, find out what's going on the next few weeks, and catch up on some of the past interviews. We have our YouTube channel hooked up to that, and some of our classic interviews will be on as well. Now, let's say, for instance, last week we had on Father Paul Belecki. How soon can we get that podcast? You can listen to it right now on AskMikeTheLawyer.com. That's AskMikeTheLawyer.com. We'll have a link to that on the Facebook page as well. And don't forget, on May 18th, Father Paul's going to be saying Mass at Our Lady of Angels Church in Brooklyn at 4th Avenue and 74th Street. The public's invited. It's a big church. I wouldn't worry about reservations. Just show up 74th Street and 4th Avenue on May 18th, 4 o'clock. After the Mass is over, you're more than welcome to come over to our office on 74th Street and 5th Avenue. And if you want a tour of our military miniatures, you're more than welcome. Mr. Kaznicki, I'm sure, will be glad to show you around the office and show our military miniatures. Absolutely, no problem. Anytime. Okay, well, up next is Congressman Trey Gowdy, followed by Joe Carace, member of the Kiwanis Clubs, telling the good work they do around the city. And our last guest, again, William Daniels, 
John Adams in 1776. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all call connors and sullivan attorneys at law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in brooklyn midtown manhattan queens and staten island 718-238-6500 that's 718-238-6500 or visit their website connorsandsullivan.com We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Right now, I'm pleased to be with one of our greatest congressmen in the United States Congress right now, Trey Gowdy. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for that compliment. I've okay. never been called that before, so thank you. Well, that's one thing. When my whenever my wife sees you on Fox News or whatever, she years ago she said, "I really like this guy." So well, tell I her start, thank you. And my I, wife does not say that. So yeah, I know. Well, she doesn't say it about me. She says it about you. So of course, I'm not a congressman. All right, now a lot of things have been happening recently, and some guys are retiring or at least playing out their term, and they're not going to run for reelection, including you and now Speaker Ryan. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, you know, eight years. It's been a great eight years. I was better in the justice system than I've been in Congress. Uh, Paul's been there for close to two decades. And, you know, he's been the Speaker of the House. He got to preside over tax reform. Um, he, uh, I, could, I could tell when I went to let him know that I was leaving. Um, the response was not what I thought it would be. I thought he'd try to talk me out of it. So, you know, in hindsight, I think uh, he was going through that same deliberative process, and I'm happy for him as a person because um, I think there's life after public service, but I'm sorry for the country. Yeah, well, a lot of us feel the same way. Now, why Why are you guys why – you, why did you retire? I know there's life after Congress, but why, why are you retiring from Congress? I, 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 I do better in systems where there's a referee and, and you know, it's a really fact-centric analysis and – you know, quite frankly, in the courtroom, the jury cannot, uh, almost by definition, have made up its mind. Uh, in politics, um, almost everyone's already made up their mind. There's very little persuasion that takes place. And, you know, as I look at the limited skill set I have, I, I like to take facts and then persuade open-minded people to reach a certain conclusion. And there's just very little of that that happens in modern-day political discourse. Now, I know nobody has a crystal ball, but do you have any idea what these next elections may turn out? Well, historically, um, the party in control of the White House does not do well in midterms. Um, but, you know, we know that. And uh, Kevin McCarthy's working really hard. Stevie Scalise, our leadership team, uh, Ball is going to run through the tape. Um, so I, hopefully we'll limit the losses. But, you know, I think we're to the point now of, of, of limiting the number of seats we lose. Um, and as opposed to picking up seats, I think picking up seats in a midterm in the current political environment w would be a really steep challenge. What about the Senate? Uh, you know what? That 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 
battleground, I hate to use that phrase, but that playing field is more favorable to us because we are, you know, there are Democrats in red states that are defending their seats, but we still have to pick the right candidate. I mean, you know, we can't nominate the one person and, you know, pick a state that can't beat the Democrat incumbent. So we got to be smart about who we nominate and then got to run a really good campaign. I don't think we're going to lose the Senate, but we have an opportunity to pick up some seats if we nominate the right candidate. All right. Now, politics aside right now, you and Senator Scott have a new book out, Unified. What's it about? Uh, it is the power of unlikely friendships, and that is um, how we both describe ours. Uh, we're both from South Carolina. We're both Republicans, but um, you know, we have policy differences. We certainly grew up differently. We have different faith perspectives. Just the value and the benefit of, of engaging in the contrast, which is what you would expect in a pluralistic society, but just doing away with the conflict, which I think most people are coming to the conclusion is just debilitating and it's destructive for the country to constantly be questioning the motives of people that with whom you disagree and and you know framing issues in the most hyperbolic way. I just I, I there, there's got to be a way to disagree and still you know not have a fractured relationship and we think there's a hunger for that in our country. I hope we're right um, and. Yeah, you know, we could have written a tell-all book, I guess. We could have repeated a bunch of private our friends, but um, neither one of us wanted to do that. We want to write a book um, that you know acknowledges that that there is contrast, but says you know let's celebrate that and still have a relationship. You know, I remember when when, when I was a kid. Yes, there there was always a difference in politics, but there wasn't. Every every vote didn't go according to party lines. There were liberal Republicans, there were conservative Democrats, and people would make deals and things would get done occasionally. I mean, it wasn't a perfect system, obviously, but it's better than today. You never see almost anybody cross the line except one or two votes here and there. Why is that? Well, I think there are three reasons. Number one, the, the, the primary process. Um by which we nominate candidates. Um, the most progressive candidate usually comes out on the Democrat side, and the most conservative candidate comes out on the Republican side. And if you're going to lose in a primary, uh, your chances are great. You can only lose to someone running to your right if you're a Republican. So there's there's not a ton of incentive uh, to you know compromise or reach across the aisle. I do think our culture has figured out a way to monetize progressiveness uh, or progressism and conservatism. So, um, you know, you can make a lot of money always having a smarter, better idea than the Republicans in Congress have, um, even if you've never held office before. Uh, I think the third variable is that 99 is a failing grade on some days. You can, you can be a great member of Congress for five years, but if you cast one vote, that you know, certain people don't like. Uh, all of a sudden, you're a squish, you're a sellout, you're a rhino. Uh, that makes for a tough environment in which to operate. All right. So that, the one reason, and you said there were three. Well, that was three. Uh, oh, that was three uh, in there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I made a D in my last math class, but ninety-nine's <laughs> a failing grade. Uh, we figured out how to monetize uh, the extremes, and and then the primary process by which we nominate people. Why do you think? that the primary system's gotten to the point where either the most conservative or the most progressive person usually wins in, in the primary system today, depending on which party you're in. That's who votes. Uh, people will come out to vote in a general election that would never vote in a primary. But in most districts, the primary is the general election. I mean, there, there are some toss-up districts, but most of them, uh, because of redistricting, you know that a Republican's going to win this seat. It's a question of which. Or you, you know, it's not quite as true in the Senate because it's a bigger, it's a bigger electorate. But in House seats, uh, the primary is in many instances tantamount to the general election. What's your solution, or what do you think is the solution? What can we do about it? Um, you know, I, I think politics is a lagging indicator. Um, I, I don't think we lead a whole lot. I think we reflect. So when the electorate decides, you know what? Um, it's okay to have a representative that I only agree with 80% of the time. It's okay. I don't need to go replace him or her because they've cast a few episodic votes I would have cast differently. Um, and, um, you know, what I preach to my own kids is there are at least two sides to every issue, and oftentimes more than that. And just 
you know, be reflective and, and, and understand that just because someone disagrees with you does not mean they're the enemy. It, it, it may not even mean that they're wrong, it, but it certainly doesn't mean that they're the enemy. And um, I mean, I, I, I benefit from hearing different perspectives. I, I don't want to hear only people that agree with me, but, you know, in some instances, every day is a national election. We go home at night and we vote with our remote controls um, and, uh, to a certain extent, you're hearing a, a validation or a ratification of what you already believe. And, um, I mean, I enjoy hearing from people who have different perspectives. It causes me to, frankly, be better at advocating for what I believe when I can anticipate what the arguments on the other side are. I've got one last question for you. How did two people get together and write a book? It can't be easy. <laughs> well, Timmy and I have now written the same number of books we've read. So you're right. It was not easy. Um, I love to write. Um, I'm an introvert, so um, you know I'm really happy at a at a computer. I had to teach myself to type when I was working for a judge, so that comes easy. Uh, Timmy prefers um, a, more of a conversation, but you know we eat dinner together every night in Washington, so I'm really familiar with his story. I find it inspiring. I find it hopeful. It gives me optimism in our country that he can go from the grandson of a man who picked cotton to picking out a seat in Congress. I mean, that, that's a story that, irrespective of your political ideation, um, you should feel good about. So I wanted him to write a story about his life, and he said, let's write a story about our friendship. And, um, and then we kind of took it from there, and uh, you know, I wouldn't want to write about anything else. I don't want to write about policy. I don't want to write about – you know, inside baseball, you know, conversation I have with Boehner, um, you know, unless I had his permission, I, I, I wouldn't do that. I'm just, I guess, old fashioned. I don't believe in repeating private conversations, uh, even if it's for profit. All right. Well, listen, Congressman, Congressman Trey Gowdy, thank you for what you've done for the country. And I hope this book does well. And I hope the spirit behind the book advances. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. The last seven and a half years have been an incredible honor, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve, and I appreciate you letting uh, me talk about our book, Unified, and I hope people will pick it up and learn uh, learn about Tim Scott, who might one day I hope runs for president. Let's hope so. Thank you again. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth. 
or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Whenever I'm at some community event in Brooklyn here, and a lot of times they honor uh, you know, a public citizen for his work or whatever, and it seems an awful lot of the, those times the person being honored is a member of a Kiwanis Club. And said, so, you know what? We should learn a little bit more about the Kiwanis Club. So with me right now is Joseph Correa's past district governor. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing fine. Thank you for this opportunity. Okay, so what is the Kiwanis Club? What, what do you guys do? Well, the, the Kiwanis Club is a group of individuals that are volunteers that meet as a club in a community and decide what they can do to help the community. By helping the community, whether it be by partnering with other organizations or by inviting different organizations from the community to ask how they might be able to help. It uh, could be as simple as a, as a small fundraiser of a pancake breakfast that's raising some money for a child and a family that needs some help. It could be walking with one of the major organizations like the Cancer Foundation and different ways that we find to be able to see what we can do about helping what's going on. Now, do you guys have any paid salaried employees? That's the unique part of it. No, we are all volunteers. We meet usually in a restaurant or usually in a place that we're able to at least have a private room. We meet as a group, and we have a board of directors, and we talk about the board of directors making decisions about what we might want to do, whatever fundraising we do. Nobody ever gets paid or reimbursed. So how did you first get involved in Kiwanis? Uh, I was a, a softball player for years. And many, many years ago, there was a softball player that was very good. He was a pitcher, and his name was Jim Jensen, and he was on uh, CBS FM, was a newscaster. And I was a pitcher. I always wanted to play him, and he, he would not uh, allow uh, really to play games unless you were doing it for a foundation or for some organization because he felt that he wanted to raise money. And that's what we did. And I found a, an organization called Kiwanis. So selfishly, I got involved with Kiwanis because I wanted to fulfill a need that I had. And then I saw what Kiwanis was all about, and I fell in love with it. How does somebody get involved today? If somebody's out there and say, hey, what, what's this organization about? Where can they find out more well, about it? Where can they join? They, they can first uh, take my phone number, and they can call me, and I'll be glad to talk to them about Kiwanis. And then I would probably direct them to one of the clubs that they might find interesting. Some clubs meet in the afternoon. Some clubs meet in the day. Some clubs meet weekly. Some clubs meet monthly. So that has a lot to do with it. As a past governor, I've been fortunate enough to go up and down the state. Uh, I, would, I was governor several years ago, and at that time we had close to 300 Kiwanis clubs from the tip of, of uh, the, United, the, uh, North, the New York State all the way to the end of Long Island. So I, I kind of know some of the different areas that there are. And I would go to a meeting, and uh, if it was close to me, I'd bite them and I'd bring them. But I'd make sure that they feel comfortable, and at that meeting, they would see what goes on. Even more importantly, rather than just trying to join a Kiwanis club, maybe they should see what the Kiwanis is doing, and sometimes uh, we can use their help. We are, in May, going to the uh, New York uh, City Ronald McDonald House and serving dinner. We need volunteers. They don't all have to be Kiwanis members. Uh, so a lot of times there are things that we're doing, and we'd love to have people join us, and that's when they can see what we're all about. Now, what's your phone number for people to inquire? 917-282-9498. There are over 150 Kiwanis clubs in this area between Brooklyn, the Bronx, and Long Island. 
and I'm sure we can direct someone to one of those clubs where they either live or work near. What makes up the membership of Kiwanis? What kind of people go to the meetings? Uh, they are usually people that want to give back to the community. We're fortunate enough to get people sometimes that we partner with that are involved in different organizations and decide that they want to join us also. We have a, a camp upstate that we send inner city kids for a week, and it's not it's not cost them a penny. We make sure they're picked up by bus, they're delivered by bus, they spend one week there, and in many cases, we change their lives. We're involved with the pediatric trauma program uh, with Northwell, and Northwell now is spread all over in different hospitals. So there again, we get some exposure and people see what we're doing. In your association with Kiwanis, what's your proudest moment? What's your greatest accomplishment? I, I guess my, my greatest accomplishment was while I was governor, we were able to initiate certain things. And you're an administrator, and you're fortunate enough to go out and visit all of the different clubs that are doing different things in the, in the different communities. That feeling was a great feeling. And some of the, the things, the programs that I started while I was governor are still in place, and, and that's is very satisfying to know that at least we left something there. Uh, the Pediatric Trauma Center, my God, we over 20 years, we've raised over a million dollars of saving or helping save children's lives through safety, through care, and through making sure that the families get what they need. One last time, if you're interested in joining, where do they contact you? They can contact Joe Carace, 917-282-9498, or even easier, J-O-E-C-O-R-A-C-E at AOL.com. Joe, thank you for sharing your, thank you for all the charitable work you guys have been doing, and, and thank you for sharing your information uh, on the show tonight. I thank you for, for giving me the opportunity. Okay, and we'll say hello to our favorite second baseman. <laughs> That's without a doubt, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's Ron Hunt for you guys out there. That's Ron Hunt, <laughs> yes. Thanks again, Joe. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Do you want to hear your parish priest talk more about abortion and the pro-life movement? The key mission of Priests for Life is to help priests do exactly that. The first place to start is to listen to your priest and learn how he thinks. What is he most interested in and passionate about? Then, when you find out, link that issue with the abortion issue. For example, a priest who told me that he did not preach much about abortion also told me he was interested in efforts to stop drug abuse. When I told him that those who have abortions are more likely to abuse drugs, it gave him a new motive to preach about abortion. Find out more about how you can help your priest at priestsforlife.org. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Hi, this is Jean Potvin of Catholic Charities Brooklyn, Queens, and a former player of the New York Islanders. I'm proud of my years playing hockey with the Islanders during the Cup years, and I'm also very proud of the work carried out every day by Catholic Charities, who is always there for children and youth, adults and seniors, veterans, mentally ill and homeless, with 160 programs and over 3,700 units of affordable housing. For more information, visit ccbq.org. We are committed to changing lives and building communities. Thank you. 
Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. I'm very pleased as our next pair of guests to have William Daniels. And for me, William Daniels was always John Adams in 1776. And he's accompanied by his wife, Bonnie, who played with William Daniels in the TV series St. Elsewhere. And they both won Emmy Awards. So how you doing today, uh, President Adams? Well, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know you, you, you had a lot of connections with the in effect, Adams family. I remember on PBS, you once played uh, John Quincy Adams. Yes. I, I have a corner on the Adamses. <laughs> I play them all. Yeah. And well, they're such an interesting family anyway. But uh, John Adams, I played for a long time uh, on um, Broadway and then in a film. So I had an intimate connection with that. Uh also, along the way, I received many books from people about John Adams. I still have them on on my bookshelf. Uh, I haven't looked at them because I really only needed to know what I had to know uh, about uh, the the show itself, the television show. Now, how many years were you on Broadway in 1776? I think it was uh, two years and two months. Okay, so you got used to the role. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's right, isn't it, Bonnie? What? Two years and two months? That's about right, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's uh, my wife who's on the phone who is actually, uh, well, she's a two-time Emmy Award winner, but other than that, she's my memory bank. And uh, she'll remind me of things. uh, If you have a question that I can't recall, she might be able to help us out. Let's go back to the beginning. A lot of people think that you're from the Boston, New England area because of your accent. Is that true? I know. I, you know, uh, uh, I'm I'm from New York. I was born in Brooklyn. Uh, so, uh, I. But when I was rather young, I mean, fifteen or sixteen, I got into a play called Life with Father, uh, and uh, that. Um, that family in the play were from um, Massachusetts and had that kind of accent. And I honestly just picked it up without even thinking about it. I guess I just absorbed it from hearing them talk about it. And then with me being an understudy and then going in to play the second oldest son and then the oldest son. So it was a long run for me. And uh, I picked up that accent. All right. Now you have a book out. Yeah. Well, it's about my uh, journey uh, in show business, uh, starting when I was – my sister Jackie and I were young performers uh, on NBC's uh, children. uh, It's called called the Horn and Hunter Children's Hour. We started out there, Jackie and I, uh, singing and so forth, and uh, we were on that for a long time. And that was my introduction to it. Uh, And about 15 or 16, I think it was, I got into uh, Life with Father, which, by the way, ran for nine years on Broadway. Not me in it, but a host of others. Nine years on Broadway, Life with Father. I think that's probably a record. Anyway, it was a long time. Now, you mentioned your wife was an Emmy Award-winning actress. Where where did she win her Emmys? Uh, on St. Elsewhere. Okay, and you were um, you were also a prominent part of that series. Yes, yes. I guess I won two, uh, two myself. Yes, we uh, we were um, – I, I played Dr. Craig, and then Bonnie came on as my wife. And uh, it was actually uh, – a joke uh, when uh, on one episode I uh, I boasted about getting her to stop smoking, and uh, I yelled. I said the way I did it is I got out in the front lawn and yelled, "I want you to stop smoking. It's not healthy for you." Anyway, next episode I go. Uh, we're at a, an event. And I leave the table <clears throat> to go to the men's room, and she pulls out a cigarette and starts smoking. So that's how effective Dr. Craig was. <laughs> now, what was it like being te- – I mean, you've worked in films. Of course, a lot of us remember you as, uh, what, Dustin Hoffman's father in The Graduate. Oh, yes, yes. That was a, uh, you know, that was a pleasant experience, it turned out. Uh, 
Mike Nichols was a very gifted uh, director, and uh, I had a lot of fun on it. It was it was a nice show to do, and Mike was uh, wonderful with his uh, sharp sense of humor and uh, and his casual way of uh, of directing because he you know he knew what most secure directors do know that is if you hire someone that you know whose work you are familiar with and that you see in this part then there's not too much direction you have to give them it's only i find only insecure actors that are on, on top of you all the time and uh, playing the director um, i guess you sense that i don't care for those types yes <laughs> all right so you did you've done broadway live yes. theater you've done tv you've done films what is the difference yes. in your approach to acting none actually um the uh, the idea the only difference when you're on the stage you have to project and project uh so that you're heard at the back of the house and one of the i find uh um things about projecting is being able to pronounce clearly, and that will carry you to the net. You don't have to yell, and you just have to to enunciate clearly, and it will follow to the back of the house without yelling, uh, because, you, you know, if you're yelling, they're not doing the job you're supposed to do. It's, it's very disconcerting. Anyway, that's uh, what I have found, that... Uh, in the theater, it's that, uh, enunciating. On uh, television and film, it's pretty much the, uh, the same story, except that it's more conversational, but not really too conversational. I hate these mumblers who are on television and, you know, like they're um, being very uh, realistic and you can't understand a word they're saying. The book. Why did you write the book? Uh, as a, a test of my memory, I, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I just thought, I wonder if I can recall uh, uh, where I've been and the journey I have made in show business from when Jackie, my sister Jackie, and I were a little song and dance team and uh, see if I could recall what uh, came about. And I think I've already said that once you pick up the pen, uh, it all kind of comes back to you. So I started writing it as a test. I didn't think it would turn into a book, but as I kept going, I, you know, I, I was amazed at the, at my ability to recall things that I hadn't thought about for years. Uh, but there it came, as you sat down there with your pen, and it came back, and I wrote it down. And pretty soon, I had a little uh, autobiography. Besides your wife, who who is do you have the fondest memory of working with? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Bonnie, can you help me out there? Eddie. Other than you? Ed Flanders. Ed Flanders, oh, yes. St. Elsewhere. Yes. Yes, Ed, Ed was a wonderful actor and a great listener, uh, which is a sign of a really good actor who actually listens to the person he's uh, acting with. Some people, uh, some actors just make believe they're thinking of their next lines. They're not really listening. Ed was a really good listener, and uh, uh, that with that comes his reactions, which are quite real. And uh, he was just a joy uh, to work with. What are the other some of the other people names you would like to mention that the the listeners might be interested so they pick up your book? Oh, um, gee whiz. Dare I mention Sandy Jen Dennis? <laughs> Sandy Dennis, sure. <laughs> I may have to tell people to go uh, yeah, IMBD. I but... Sandy on A Thousand Clowns, and then uh, we did a couple of other things together. And, you know, she was very talented, but she had a lot of uh, funny little mannerisms that uh, sometimes annoyed people. Uh, you know, getting a line out, she'll hem and haw. I remember she was doing that with Jason Robards uh, in a scene, and she was hemming and hawing before she actually got the words out. And, and then he looked at her, he said, are you finished? <laughs> <laughs> what about Audrey? Uh, Audrey? 
Mm-hmm. Hepburn? Yep. What about her? <laughs> Where did you work yeah. with her? Uh, we did um, we did Two for the Road, uh, a film. Wonderful and, film. What's that? Wonderful film. Yes, that's true. And she was a wonderful actress and a lovely, lovely lady, a real lady. And uh, we had a good time on it. I mean, I, you know, uh, there I got this without knowing any of them. Uh, the offer came for me to go into this, fly over to Paris, and then go on the road with this show. And uh, I was surprised about it. I didn't know any of the people, not the director, not Audrey, uh, not Albacini. And then I got there and, uh, you know, uh, I'll tell you a little funny story. Uh, As sometimes happens in film, you find yourself uh, doing uh, your first scene, which is the biggest, your biggest scene. And so... Uh, I was over uh, at a tree walking up and down and trying to memorize my lines and make sure I had them cold. And uh, Audrey and Alibi were sitting in the, in the car that we used. And uh, suddenly I heard Alibi say, Billy. And I looked over and he pressed his finger like, come on, come on over here. And they were sitting in the back of the car. And I walked over and I leaned in and he said, Billy, not to worry. She gets all the close-ups, <laughs> <laughs> which may, you know broke the ice, and uh, it was just it, it was just such a pleasure to uh, to work with them. He also did a wonderful uh, Arthur Miller play with Darren, a uh, very late Miller play, and it was on television. I can't remember the name of it, but it was they got some awards for it. It was excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean Arthur Miller's play? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Arthur yeah. Miller's play. Yeah. Well, he was a great guy and a wonderful playwright. The name of the book, There I Go Again, How I Came to Be Mr. Feeney, John Adams, Dr. Craig, Kit, and many others. And you've got some book signings coming up. I understand yes. on Sunday, April 29th, you could be at Bookends, one of our favorite bookstores in Ridgewood, New Jersey at 2 p.m. Yes, yes, we're going to be there. I've not been to that particular one. We've been doing book signings for a while now for the book, and uh, but I'm be doing that one in when, Bonnie, next week? Or Sunday, April like 29th, that. if I have it right, 2 p.m. That's right. Yeah. At Ridgewood, uh, New Jersey. And doing one at the drama book. Oh, That's in Manhattan. Shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's on That's May 1st. I know you must have a lot of fans out there. I hope you're going to spend some time and autograph some books. And That's what he does. Oh, and they, yes. they love him. Yes, they, I'll do that. They love Mr. Feeney. They love oh, Mr. Oh, Feeney, yes. okay. They love Mr. Feeney. Why do they love Mr. Feeney? And they love Mr. Feeney. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was on 8th Avenue in New York one day while I was playing that role, and a bunch of kids got off a bus and uh, spotted me down the street. And they said, Mr. Feeney, and they all came rushing. So I ran around the corner to uh, to escape them. I mean, it was kind of frightening. Huh? So uh, that's that's how popular Mr. Feeney was. Mr. Feeney. Oh, he was a no. total coward. <laughs> so they, so many of them feel like, you know, that they uh, of, of a certain age. That they uh, that Mr. Feeney educated them, <laughs> that he was their teacher. Yep. Anyway, that's uh, that's my story. Okay. Well, again, we look forward to seeing you on Sunday, April 29th at Bookends in Ridgewood, okay. New Jersey, you, at two o'clock. Will you be there? I'll be there. Oh yeah. Oh, good. Good. I hope you'll be there. I I, I look forward to meeting you. Okay. And then, again, the people can't make Sunday, April 29th, Tuesday, May 1st, the Drama Bookshop in Manhattan at 5 p.m. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Daniels. I look forward to it, Mike. Okay. I look forward to seeing you. If you want to catch William Daniels in person, Sunday, April 29th, bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey, 2 o'clock. Tuesday, May 1st, the Drama Book Club in Manhattan. Five o'clock. So if you want to catch the guy in person, that's where to go. Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey, April 29th, 2 o'clock, Manhattan, Drama Bookshop, May 1st, 5 p.m. 
like we mentioned before, we do have a number of events coming up this month. On May 14th, Civil War Roundtable, 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street. We're going to be talking to Ron Chernow. He's going to get the Fletcher Pratt Award for his work on Grant. May 18th, Mass at Our Our Lady of Angels. As you've heard previously, Father Paul is going to be saying Mass there. That's open to the public. If you want to come in and find Father Paul or go see Father Paul, talk to him about, you know, like his politically incorrect opinions about the Middle East, as he said a couple of weeks ago. May 18th, Our Lady of Angels Church. 4th Avenue and 74th Street in Brooklyn, then you're more than welcome to come over to our office. You can see the military miniature collection and talk further with Father Paul. Then on May 19th, we have our Greenwood Cemetery tour. Then the week of May 22nd, we're going to do our seminars in Queens, Maspeth, Howard Beach, and Bayside. If you have any questions about any of these events, give our office a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And by the way, if you want to schedule an appointment with us to talk about estate planning and elder law, and you know there's no one right answer for everybody, but there is a wrong answer for everybody, and that's to do nothing. Again, don't be afraid to schedule an appointment at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Again, David Kincaid. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 